Just take a moment to be still. Scripture says that God is enthroned. He inhabits the praises of His people. He is here. Just take a moment and listen to His voice, to what He may want to say to you this morning. If you're online, just be still where you are. Listen for that small, still voice of the God who is with you and loves you. Maybe he's saying to you, you are forgiven. Maybe it's let go. You do not need to hold on to that. You don't need that. Anything I ask of you will not be a burden, but will bring great joy. Don't be afraid. Lord, break our hearts for what breaks yours. Lead us to be more like you. Amen. Please be seated. Well, it's great to be with you this morning as we continue our series in 28 Days of Community. Today's theme is Grow and Help Grow. Who's still learning things? Everyone's hand should be going up unless you've got arthritis in your shoulders. This time of year, we get up the river a bit with our kids who, uh, with some friends, have a boat, and I learn a new thing on a wakeboard uh, at the age of nearly 61. How good's that? Hey. I want to keep learning. In fact, as a follower of Jesus, as a disciple, as we're called, it means being a lifelong learner. Part of, for me, being a learner is having a mentor, someone who can help me keep growing, help me keep on the track that God wants me on. And so as I met with Graham uh, earlier this year, for the first time for this year, Graham said, what are your goals for the year? And I always find that a bit uncomfortable because uh, if I haven't thought about them, I've got to come up with them. But I also know that having goals is good for me because it gives me focus, it captures my attention and In the end, even if I don't get to those goals specifically or exactly as I might have envisaged them, I get some way towards them. And at the end of the year, I'm further down the track than I was at the beginning of the year. Now, I can handle yearly goals. Some people talk about lifelong goals or life goals. I had one when I was a young adult. I was never going to live in the city and I was never going to work with people. Some of you heard me say that before. Well, I got that wrong. I realised early on that thinking 20, 30, 40, 50 years ahead was just too intangible. I didn't know where I would be. I didn't know what my health would be like or what state the world would be in by then. And I gave up on that thought of lifelong goals. But then as I grew in my faith and my understanding of God's purpose for me, I understood that I actually do have a life goal. It's the same goal actually that you should have. It's a goal that goes beyond ourselves. It's a goal that transcends history and time, place, education, culture. 
your personality, your background. It's a goal that God created each one of us for. It's a goal that is very achievable. And though it's beyond our ability in our own strength to get there, it is a goal that we can achieve, though we need to be intentional about it if we're going to get there. And while we can't do it in our own strength, we will need God's help and the help of others along the way of life's journey. We'll need God's help. We'll need the help of others. Did you hear that? We'll need God's help and we will need the help of others to achieve this goal. And that's the way God's planned it. So what is this goal that I'm talking about? Well, people over the centuries have come at it from different directions. In the old Westminster Catechism from the church in England and Scotland, as part of their... <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> discipling people for baptism or confirmation, they would learn these questions and the answers. And the first question of the Westminster Catechism was this, what is the chief end of men and women? In other words, what's your chief end in life? And the answer is this, our chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Others might quote Jesus when they talk about this goal that God has for us. Like when Jesus responded to the question, what is the greatest commandment? Jesus didn't respond with one. He actually responded with two. In Matthew 12, Jesus said this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, Love your neighbour as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. If you think about living like that, it sounds a lot like living like Jesus. Today, I want to pick it up from the focus of Paul in his letter to the Ephesians. When he wrote about this goal that God has for us, and you'll find it in Ephesians chapter 4 from the beginning of the chapter, but I'm going to pick it up from verse 7. So if you've got your device or your Bible, you might like to flick open to Ephesians chapter 4. And Paul wrote this to the young Christians in Ephesus. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That is why it says in the Old Testament, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. Now as Paul gets into this topic, the first thing to note is that we have been graced by Jesus. We have his undeserved favour, which means includes things like his power, his heart, his skills, his presence, the Holy Spirit, all the resources of the kingdom and much more. Paul says elsewhere, you lack nothing as you follow Jesus. Therefore, we can achieve this goal because we have been graced for it. Paul goes on and says, So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ, that's you and me, we make up the body of Christ, the church, so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach a unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God 
and here's the clincher, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Jesus. There's our goal. To become like Jesus. Now Paul, uh, Paul says that Jesus has given us others, and he names some of those in this case, to help us reach that goal. Because we'll never get there on our own. We'll never become mature to the point of being like Jesus in our character and our actions, in our thoughts and our speech, in our relationship with God, in our relationship with each other, without the help of others. And Paul goes on and says, The result will be, then you will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Have you ever kind of gone, looked back and gone, Oh, I got manipulated into that, didn't I? I gave in to that, didn't I? Can you imagine what it would be like to never be mistakenly persuaded or manipulated by people's ideas or their emotions. To never respond just to keep someone happy because you need them to like you. To always be sure of what you believed and always act accordingly. To be consistent in godly character. To be even and true in all your interactions with people to never react in folly or anger or fear, to never regret what you did or said. How many of us could go, that's me? To be able to speak out of a pure heart with empathy and truth each time just like Jesus did. Well, that's our goal. That's the goal that God has for each one of us and we can get there. Paul concludes, instead of speaking, instead speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. He finishes with that reminder that we need people engaged in our lives who will speak the truth in love to us. Things we sometimes know we need to hear, sometimes the things we don't want to hear but still need to know them all under the head and the leadership and the help of Jesus. Now, I'm a natural optimist. I see the best in people. I see the best in opportunities, which is a strength that God has given me. The downside is that I can sometimes not be realistic enough. I can be too keen to embrace someone and not see some of their flaws or maybe even dangers. Or I can see an opportunity and not realise how long or how much effort or pre-work is required to launch into this opportunity. And so I need people in my life who speak the truth in love to me and say, Scott, slow down. There's a bit more to this person than you've seen that you need to know about. There's more work and effort required. That's a five-year project, not a one-year project. Now, maybe on the flip side, there are some of you that are more the half-glass empty kind of people who need people in your life to encourage you to say, have a go. This is worth the effort. Take a risk. 
There's some good in that person. I know you see the bad, but can you see the good? We need others in our life to speak that truth in love. Now, if you go back to the beginning of the chapter, Paul begins this passage by imploring us to get on the same page together, to get onto this same goal together, to stay in lockstep towards the things that God has for us. And in verse 3, he says, Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called, to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, and God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Let's get on the same page about what God is up to and wants to be up to in everyone's life. You see, when we collectively make God's purpose, when we collectively make God's goal together our goal, and together collectively we submit to Jesus' leadership and live in his grace, then we begin to live for this common goal to help each other towards Christ-like maturity. We don't get distracted. We stay on track. The words of encouragement that we bring to each other are in line with that goal. You know, if we're all chasing after something different, then we're going to pull in different directions. Just think about it this way. You have a a team of sports people. You have three coaches from three different sports, football, netball and golf. And they all have their agenda. They all have their goals. You've got to get better at your swing. You've got to be good on your short game. You have the, the footy coach. You've got to be able to drop the ball well on your foot and kick a goal. You've got the netball coach. You need to be able to pass quick and think instantly. Be ready to catch the ball. That wanting to train people to a different end it would drive you crazy. But we can do that in life. We can even do it in the church if we forget what God's goal is for each and every one of us. But when we're aiming for the common goal, then our words of encouragement point in the same direction. It also helps clarify other aspects of our life, whether they're a priority or not, whether they need to be let go or kind of placed on the third shelf rather than the first. Now, growing in anything takes time. As much as some of us, if you're like me, want to get there quick, growing takes time. I didn't become an adult, some might say, till I was 60, but at least 20 years to become an adult. It takes time to grow. It takes understanding. It takes repeated practice, training, teamwork and encouragement. So Paul writes to the young Christians in Colossae in his letter about Growing in this character of Jesus, one of the areas that we need to grow. And Paul says this, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, in other words, people that God has chosen, people that God is with, people that God is for, people that God has your back, people that whenever God engages in your life, it is for good and a good outcome. Remember that, Paul is saying. Clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. 
Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. There used to be a kid's song when I was, uh, I wasn't a kid, but our kids were kids that was put on love with your knickers and your old blue jeans. You know, every day, clothe yourselves with these character traits of Jesus. Well, how do you grow in these grace-based character and relationship traits? You do it in community. You do it as you rub together with other people. You can't become more patient if you don't have someone in your life that you need to be patient with, someone who's slow to catch on or get on the page, and you've got to take your time with them and work out what does it mean to be patient with this person. How do you grow in humility? Well, you engage in the hurly-burly of life with other people where you might get overlooked for something, where someone may not thank you for what you did, where you might get the opportunity to put someone else's needs before yours in some secret act of service that no one will know what you did. We grow in those character traits by doing life with each other where we need to practice those things. And in that context, we can observe how others do it. And we can get feedback from one another as we do it. And someone might say to you, hey, you you could have been a bit more patient with that person. You know, there's some stuff going on in their life you may not know about. Just give them some more time. Or someone might push us a bit in a godly way and say, hey, are you ready to forgive that person? Remember what scripture says. Now, there's other areas we need to grow in, like the skill of serving others with unconditional love, like Jesus. How do you do that? Well, the best way I know that you do that is by joining a team, getting in the game with other people, in serving others together, Learn and practice with each other how you might do that. Reflect with each other. Did that work? Didn't it work? Why did it work? Why didn't it work? How can we do it better next time? Seek out others who are engaged in that area of ministry that are more experienced or mature than you and ask them questions. How do you use that gift that I think God has given me? What does that look like? What does it mean to serve people without them being able to serve you back? Why is it that I get frustrated when I do something and no one says thank you to me? You know, I still remember my first funeral visit. I was a youth pastor and my lead pastor, knowing that one day I would need to do this, took me with him to visit a family to plan the funeral. Just like Jesus did, if you think about it, with his disciples. And on the way there, we chatted a bit about it and he was saying some of the things that will happen and why he does them that way and the pros and the cons. And then I sat in the lounge room and just observed and listened as he met with the family and planned the funeral. And then we chatted in the car on the way back. Then I went to the funeral and on the way there, we chatted about why he did things the way he did things at the service. And then we chatted again in the car on the way back and he answered my questions. And so I learnt from his experience. 
from his teaching. But I also remember one of the things I learnt was by what I saw as he sat in that lounge room with a grieving family and his calm and confident nature and his caring attitude. And I saw, if you like, a visual example of this is what it looks like to be with a family in grief. And it helped me understand something of what I need to do and what I could do when it was my turn to be in that place. Another area that we need to grow to be more like Jesus is in reading and understanding God's word so that it shapes our life and our actions. How do you do that? Well, it's pretty obvious. You read it and you let it speak to you. But you don't just read it alone, which you should do, but you also read it and discuss it with other people. Hear what they have to say. See what they get out of it. What has been their experience when they've tried to apply that in their life? I've lost count of the times now over the years where my understanding of scripture has been sharpened or broadened by the input of others as we've talked about it and read it together. One I remember is this one from Matthew 21. This is the passage known as the cursing of the fig tree. Jesus is going to Jerusalem across the valley. He's hungry. He's got his disciples. He sees a fig tree. He goes over there hoping to get some fresh figs to eat and there's no figs on it. And Jesus curses it and says, May you never feed anyone again. And the disciples hear that. Now, if I was there, I'd be going, what gives here? Anyway, they go on, they come back, past that fig tree, and it's withered, it's dead to the roots, and they're amazed. And Jesus notices their amazement, and he says, ah, good teaching moment here. And so Jesus says this to them, truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only can you do what was done to the fig tree, but you can also say to this mountain, and I'm sure Jesus was pointing to one because Jerusalem is in the mountains. You can say to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea, which wasn't down in the foothills, but a long way away over on the Mediterranean coast, and it will be done. If you believe, you will receive whatever you ask for in prayer. Astounding. Now, I've found that passage both inspiring and daunting at the same time inspiring that my, I should grow my faith. Wouldn't it be great to have a faith like Jesus, like that, with no doubt? But then there's this other part of me that knows that I have doubt, so how am I ever going to have faith like that? Now, I do believe that the onus is on us to grow in our trust in Jesus in all things, that doubt diminishes as our faith grows. But I was listening to another Christian explain this passage in the context of decision-making. And he said, it's when together we discuss and discern and pray over time, God, are you in this? God, what are you doing here? What are you calling us to? That whether it's a short time or a long time, together you come to a collective consensus eventually, led by the Holy Spirit, to an agreement in faith that, yes, as best we understand that this is what God's up to, 
And then you can step out and pray with no doubts. Now, I never would have read that as one way that this passage applies, left to my own, because I always read it just thinking about the individual. But there's a corporate side to getting to this place of no doubt. God wants each one of you. God wants me. God wants you to grow to Christ-like maturity. That's what he created you for. And he has done all that is needed so that you can through his son Jesus. And he's also given us one another, this family, this thing called the church, so that we can help each other grow along the way. Now we're going to pause and pray and I want to give you a moment to reflect. Whether you're here on site, whether you're listening online, wherever you are, just make yourself comfortable, be still and just ask yourself, where do I need to grow? Where would I like to grow to be a little bit more like Jesus? What area of life? It may be as you sit and listen quietly that the Holy Spirit will convict you and prompt you and actually name something for you. And then I'm just going to go through, as we pray, a list of possible areas. And then together we're going to pray. And so when I name this area, if that applies to you and you can raise your hand more than once, just put your hand up and I'll acknowledge that. And then together we're going to pray for those who raise their hand. And that includes those of you online. And you might like to physically raise your hand where you are. God sees you. Or you might like to put a little hand emoji in the chat uh, on the platform that you're using to watch to let our host know that you're putting your hand up. So let's pray. And the first one is, who would like to, be, to grow in their trust in God to provide, to protect, to guide, to hold you just like Jesus trusted God. Put your hand up. I see people's hands, so let's pray for those people. Lord, we pray. First of all, Lord, you would give them opportunities where to trust you, situations where they can make that choice to say they're not going to do it themselves, they're not going to respond out of fear, but They're going to say, yes, Lord, I trust you in this moment to love me, to forgive me, to guide me, to help me, to show a way through. But Lord, also bringing people around them who can encourage their faith, who can pray for them, who they can share with so that together they might grow in trusting you. The next one is personal confidence to be able to step out to say, with God's help, I can. Whether that be in work or relationships or whatever it may be, but to grow in your confidence. Put your hand up if that's you. Thank you. Let's pray for those people. Lord, be with each one of them to know that you are enough, that your grace is sufficient, that in the end it's not as much about what they can do 
but it's about what you can do in and through them. Lord, in those moments where you might be saying, be courageous, be confident, I'm with you, may they know your presence. May their heart beat with godly courage in those moments. Give them opportunity to step out in confidence and have a go. Who would, wants to grow in some aspect of character like Jesus? Thank you. I see your hands. Let's pray for those. Lord Jesus, continue to shape their hearts to be in line with your heart, to beat with your heart. Lord, fill them afresh with your Holy Spirit and grow those fruits of the Spirit, love and humility, grace and peace, mercy, kindness, patience, self-control. Again, Lord, give them opportunities to live out that character trait in a new way. The next one is clarity in God's purpose for you. Beyond the general one for all of us of growing to be like Jesus. The clarity of God's purpose for you. Okay, let's pray for those. Lord, give them clarity, give them vision. Lord, let let them hear your small, still voice that gives them direction and purpose. Lord, Place a passion in their heart for some human hurt, hope or need to guide them. But Lord, also bring people around them who can give them encouragement and input in the strengths and the opportunities that they see that they could step into. Lord, maybe for some it's an invitation that they require, like I had many times when I was younger in my faith to come and join in and get me started. The next one is living in grace, resting in God's promises and favour that Jesus is enough, living with those unhurried rhythms of grace that it's not about what I can do, it's about what Jesus can do through me. So anyone would like to grow in that area? Okay, let's pray for them. Lord, again, just continue to remind them that your grace is enough, that you are enough, that they are forgiven, that they lack nothing because all the resources of heaven are theirs to draw on, including yourself. That they can live as victors and decision makers, not as victims or as people who have to react and respond only to others' choices. That it's not about perfection. but trusting you to use them as imperfect as they may be. So 
It's about taking their eyes off themselves and putting their eyes on you. Of bringing them peace. Remind them of those specific promises they need to hear. The next one is serving. Serving others with that love of Jesus. Serving with with others and using your gifts. Finding a place to serve. Who would like to grow in that area? Okay. Not only do I see your hands, but Jesus sees them. So Lord, we pray for those. Give them the courage to make themselves available. Lord, give them opportunities. Lord, sometimes we need to step forward ourselves. Sometimes we need to respond to an invitation. Lord, open up both avenues. And again, Lord, as others gather around them, may they be able to say, hey, I see this in you. You would be good at that. You'd be you'd, just what we need on our team. I think you can help people because of who God has made you to be in this way. But together we can help them find their place of serving and confidence in that. The next one is connection. Connecting to others. Building excellent relationships. Might be overcoming fear. It might be overcoming hurt, which has caused you to draw back from people. Is there anyone that would like to grow in that? Okay. Let's pray. Lord, for those who are shy, and sometimes that's part of the personality mix you've created them with, uh, introverted, um, maybe grown up in a, in a family or an environment where there wasn't modelling of kind of how you engage with people. Lord, help them learn new life skills that helps them to open up conversations, to feel comfortable. But also, Lord, through this community that is your church, give them opportunities to connect with people in a safe environment where they can practice relationships, get to know others, find a sense of belonging, grow in personal confidence. Lord, for those that have been hurt, bring healing. Lord, help them to let go of their protective mechanisms that maybe serve them well to guard themselves in one stage of life but are no longer needed now. And Lord, again, may we be a a family that is a safe place to experiment connecting with others again. And is there anything else in that any other category, you don't have to say what it is, that we haven't covered that anyone wants to put their hand up for this morning. There's some. So let's pray. Lord, be with each of those who want to keep growing to be more like Jesus because they know that's what you've called them to. They know they're not there yet. But Lord, I pray through the power of your Holy Spirit at work in them, you will keep them on that journey. Lord, you'd enable them to Reach out and ask for help where they need it. To find people, if they're not connected, who can journey with them. And Lord, for the rest of us to be sensitive and encouraging to them as needs be. Lord, that each one of us at our own pace and our own way, but together we might keep growing to this one glorious goal 
of attaining the full measure of Christ, to live out that glory here on earth and one day in heaven. Amen. Well, we're going to finish with this wonderful song, Breathe. It talks about you are the air I breathe, that you are within us, Jesus, that you are there to transform us and enliven us and help us to become those people you've created us to be. Let's stand and sing.